No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Welcome, everybody, to Club Wealth TV. Super excited to have Coach Brian Curtis and Coach Christy Horn on today. We're going to talk about being profitable in 2020. Uh, way excited. Before we get going, just a couple of things. Make sure that anybody that you know, make sure you're adding them to this. You know, invite as many people to view this as possible. And you're going to want to record this. This is huge. If, uh, you know, if you want to make money this year, the best thing, the best place to start is saving it, right, guys? So before we get going, though, I uh, want to give a shout out to Wise Hire. Um, you know, Wise Hire is a great contributor. They're, they're actually who helps us out do these on a weekly basis. Uh, super excited to have them as as partners and people to help us help us with this uh, great great company they do an amazing amazing job in what they do so <clears throat> let's go ahead and get into this so let's go ahead and start out christy tell me or tell all of us kind of kind of your background you and i talked a little bit yesterday and we've talked before about this and uh and it's it's kind of interesting a lot of people see your pretty face and they think this amazing real estate agent they have no idea what your background is and, and so well, tell us a little bit about that first so so my uh in my former life i am a spreadsheet nerd i love numbers i love spreadsheets uh no in all in all honesty uh, my background i'm a cpa i started out in public accounting i spent many years in corporate america um, but I love numbers and I love analyzing numbers and I love making them simple and helping people understand how to break them down. And um, I think a lot of times, even if you don't love numbers, we tend to avoid what scares us. We tend to avoid things that we don't, that we're not comfortable with or that we don't like, or we don't think they're going to support what we want them to say. So we avoid them and we shut down. You know, when, you know, when you're not closing deals, you can feel it in your bank account. So we stop looking at if we're profitable or not. And I want to help people use the numbers to empower them and learn to love crunching numbers in a spreadsheet. Um, even if you don't love it as much as I do, even just a fraction of it, because it can be such a powerful tool um, and can be so, um, just let you truly know where you are in your business. That's awesome. That's way cool. Uh, it's it's interesting. I call that the dentist, the dentist effect, right? We all put off going to the dentist, right? Because we're afraid that they're going to find something wrong and we're going to have to have work done. And yet putting it off, it's just going to make the work hurt that much more, right? Same thing with our finances. So that's interesting. So not long ago, you posted in the Facebook group, um, something that everybody jumped on and, and got a lot of interest in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then let's dive into that. So per perfect. Um... I think we talk about P&L and if, and if you did not grow up in a business background, that word alone could scare you. So when we say P&L, we're talking about our profit and loss statement. In all, in all uh, reality, we're talking about how much money you have coming in and how much money you have going out on the back end. That's truly all a profit and loss statement is. And we, if you um, have got into QB Special or, or QuickBooks, or if you've talked to your accountant or started to prepare your tax returns, you'll see they talk in these 
kind of ambiguous terms. You have your marketing expenses, you have advertising, you have these very generic terms that don't tell us how to manage our business. And so what I wanted to help people realize is that there are no set guidelines for how you categorize things. Your CPA can change the name of it when he files your tax return, but when you are tracking your your expenses, name them what how you run your business, how you would explain to someone what's going on in your bank account. That's how you want to be tracking your expenses. For example, all of your lead sources should have their own line item, Zillow, Realtor.com, Yelp, um, any of that. If you're doing recruiting, you could have a recruiting category and that could have wise hire in it. Um, if you are farming a neighborhood, you may make a farm its own line item in your P&L because that's how you would analyze your expenses for that for that section of your business. Does that make sense? It does. So, um, I know this is is very detailed and nerdy, uh, but I let me share if I can do this without. Um, so I shared this the other day, and I know uh, Club Wealth has a way to make this um, uh, where we can share this with everyone, but I want you all to see. So here's just a simple spreadsheet. This is what I've taken out of QuickBooks online. Ron, can you see my screen okay? Yes, we can. So this is, I, I run my own QuickBooks, so I'm very detailed, but I wanted to share with you just a glimpse of what your categories can be and how to start to set up your P&L. So at the top of your P&L, you're going to have your income and your cost of goods sold. So those are going to be anything tied to specific transactions. You're only tracking the money that is hitting your bank account. Um, so this is going to be if 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 you're a broker, you may have money coming in that you then turn around and pay agents. For most of us as a solo agent and or as a team lead, what is hitting our bank account is going to be after those splits have already been paid out. So I track my commission that comes in on my own deals and then the commission that I receive on any of my buyer agent deals, um, then our listing agent commission, then any fees that are tied to specific transactions. If you're paying a transaction coordinator, if you're paying photographer for your professional pictures, um, in, in Texas, we now use showing time. So that's a fee that I only pay when I have an active listing. So those are gonna go into my cost of goods solds. Are you with me so far? Yep. So all of that's, I think, pretty simple. Here, when we get into the meat of our expenses, I think this is where people get lost. And we wanna talk, it, we tend to have these very ambiguous, very large line items that we don't truly know what is going into it. I would challenge you to have as many line items as possible. Every reoccurring expense and every expense over probably, I'd say $250 to $500 should have its own line item. So that's stop where- Stop for a second, yes. stop for a second. So, I, and not because you're not being brilliant, actually because you are. So I want, I want people to understand what she just said, because as a coach who's looked at tons of P&Ls, this is what we normally see. Marketing, $15,000. What, what do I do with that? Or, you know, uh, listing cost, $2,000. What on earth are these things? So 
Um, I want, by the way, everybody, if you have a P&L, put, put that in the group. If you're a person who's doing a P&L right now, say yes or say no in the group, just so that we can get an idea of who our audience is and who we're talking to. But if you don't learn anything else today, learn that. This, you might, in my opinion, doing marketing $15,000, yeah, you might need to do that for your CPA, but I can't find another good reason to do that. So step one is you actually have to have good data is what I'm hearing Christy say. Is that, yeah, is that absolutely. Right, no, it, I want to do that. I'll let you go again. So, oh, no, yeah. perfect. And you can start with your bank accounts. I mean, you can actually pull up your last three bank statements and that should give you a good idea as to what your category should be. Where are you spending the money and how would you explain it to someone else? The reason... I think a lot of us get into the habit of we think that we only have to look at our P&L to give to our CPA to pay our taxes. I want us looking at our P&L daily, weekly, monthly, so we're able to use this to make business decisions off of it. When you're tracking by lead source, it's very easy to say, oh my goodness, I've now spent $20,000 with Zillow and it's it's June and I've only closed three deals off of it. When, you're, when you have the data in front of you, I think it's much easier to make decisions in real time. Uh, so, we're, so, so when you're coming up with your P&L, buy lead source, and then you also want to get into um, Truly like, so if you're in different clubs, membership, whatever it is, that should be on your P&L. How you, like I call it loving on the team. That's everything I pay that goes to the team. Like if I buy them team swag, take them to launch, any of that, that's how I put it and I break it out. So then at the end of the year, I'm able to say, or not at the end of the year, monthly, I'm able to say, what have I spent money on? Are you following me? Every PL is going to be very, um, very personalized, but I want everyone to step back from thinking it has to go into these generic budget or buckets. I want the exact opposite. How you spend money, how you run your business. Um, if you're into farming, you may have a category that says Woodland Hills, if that's the neighborhood you're farming. And then under that, you may have mailers for that neighborhood, community events for that neighborhood, um, pot buys for that neighborhood. Whatever you're spending money on for that farm should be tracked all in one bucket. It then makes your life so much easier to say, what have I spent on this and what am I getting out on it? Does that make sense? It does, Christy. Why don't you scroll down and show show them what you mean by this? This is this is fascinating, guys. So this is very important. I <clears throat> I agree with Brian. I've I've looked at a lot of P and Ls before, and you know the one the one that drives me nuts is when they when they put marketing right, Brian. Yeah. Is that that's like the big, that's <laughs> the big junk, right? I did marketing. I spent twenty thousand dollars in marketing this month. Well, what does that mean? You know, I mean, how, how how do you know what kind of return you're getting on marketing? Right. So if you could scroll down and show them kind of what you mean by breaking that up, it's such a big deal. It's important that we all break it up. And I'd like to reiterate, for some reason, I'm not seeing the questions. Oh. You, can, you can let us know. But Brian asked if you're keeping a PL. I want everybody to put yes or no if you're if you're actually keeping track of your profit and loss on a monthly basis. Go ahead. You know. When we get into real estate, I don't think there's a single person who got into real estate and said, the things that I'm going to be excited about are, 
you know, doing my payroll and working on P&Ls and calculating return on investment and doing database management. Matter of fact, I think I literally just put myself to sleep as I said those things. But please, everybody needs to understand that this is part of running a business. If you don't want to do this type of stuff, if you're not interested in tracking profit at return on investment, um, dealing with these type of things, go get on a team and let somebody else do it. And that doesn't mean you don't have a PL, but it's still so much, it's so much less. But if you're going to be a business owner, there are so many opportunities to do this correctly and to take it and say, you know what, I'm having great success over here. How do I know I'm having great success over here? Because I calculated the return on investment and the return on investment is 7.3 over here. You know what, this farm that I've got, my ROI is 2.1. You know, whatever those cases may be, and I'm not, I'm just making numbers up, but numbers tell the story. And we're not doing this because we have nothing better to do than to bore our coaching clients or to bore you. That's not what this is about. This is about trying to find a way to determine what you should do more of and what you should do less of is really just the simplest way to look at this. And, you know, there is so many things in our business that are fun going out and closing and going out and showing houses and going on listing appointments. That stuff's kind of fun. This may not be as much fun if you're not Christy, but the rest, but the rest of us still have to do it. And remember that if you're not willing to do this stuff, you don't have a business. So I'll get off my soapbox now. No, you're, you're exactly right. In, in that we all feel the consequences of it. You know, when you're not making that much money, you know, when you're racking up debt, you know, when you're, when you're struggling. And so that's why, even if you don't like that, even if you don't like numbers, this can be so freeing once you understand and get comfortable with if you're profitable or not. So here's just, diff and this is all, I'm not saying I use all of these. I tried to come up with a couple of different things just to throw on here, but this is how my chart of accounts looks. This is how detailed it is. Um, so you'll see loving on my team, my different expenses, just truly anything that has hit my bank account is what I share, um, is how I break it out. Now, I think if we've, if we've beat this to a dead horse, um, I want to go over and show you actually my budget. So as we talk about forecasting for the year, because this is what I think is really uh, powerful, I want to share with you how we can look at our budget and how you can actually plan out what you're going to spend money on and then back into your profitability by month. So for a couple of things, uh, we're focusing on um, budget and forecast. Keep in mind, I'm only talking about expenses on this. I am not talking about my projected gross commission income. That is a part of it, but most of our expenses we've signed contracts on. We have fixed expenses. We've hired an employee. We have client events that we've planned. So we have these expenses regardless of what our commission coming in um, actually equals. So if you look at the spreadsheet, I know this is a ton of numbers, but I want you to don't focus on the numbers, focus on what it's doing. All this is, is it, you'll see the categories going down the left-hand side mirror um, the, the chart of accounts that we just talked through. Then we have our monthly expenses going across the top. So these are things, if you know you have a monthly fee for it, you'd map it out going across 
the spreadsheet, and then it's totaled right there in total monthly expenses. There may be some expenses that aren't monthly. So these would be going to listing agent boot camp, going to uh, BSN, um, having a client event. We don't have client events monthly. We only have those quarterly. So you can do it a couple of different ways. You can spread them out if you know the months that they're going to hit. You can have them going across or you can just drop them in as a one-time annual expense. Regardless, the goal is to then come up with your total expenses that you'll see at the bottom of this page that's a big number. That's the number I don't think people look at at the beginning of the year. Keep in mind, I'm running a team. I have myself, I have a full-time admin. I have six plus agents. So I'm not saying if this is a good number or not. I'm not saying this is my real number. Just keep in mind, if you're a solo agent, your number for total expenses should be nowhere near this. But this is how you come up with your total expenses for the year. You should on the front end be able to map out what I'm going to pay monthly, what my big thing, my big ticket expenses are, and come up with this number. I joke when I got married, my husband, you know, coming off of being a bachelor, he ran his budget as looking at his bank account. So he would open up his bank account. If he was low on funds, he'd start buying cheap beer and ramen noodles. And that's how he managed his expenses. As a business owner, we don't get to do that. We can't live in that silo. We have to take into account these expenses that we may not have this month, but we know are coming in a couple of months. And we need to take those into account today when we're coming up with our profitability. I know this is a ton of numbers. Are y'all following me so far on how I come up with my forecast of expenses for the year? I, I am. I, I would like to ask something though on this because one of the biggest hesitations and fears that, <clears throat> that most people have with doing something like this is first of all, facing reality, right? That's always a scary thing. But another thing is the amount of time that it takes, right? You just forecast out 12 months. In, in all honesty, how long did this take you to sit down with this? Um, actually just a couple of, a couple of hours. I mean, it, I would say it's going to be for the average person, it's probably going to be a four to eight hour exercise. Um, most of your monthly expenses, you're going to be able to get that straight off of your bank statement. You're going to be able to say, what did I pay out? What's a reoccurring charge? There you go. That's going to label those. And then as you do your planning for your marketing for the year, that will be the second component. So if I know I'm adding my Lobo, or I know I'm going to farm, or I know what my four client events are going to be. I've already mapped those out with my coordinator or my marketing person. Those are going to be easy to layer in. I know what conferences I'm going to for the year. So those are going to be easy to layer in. I you don't have to get these numbers exact, just be over conservative. If you're not sure, round up a couple hundred dollars. I'd much rather you over inflate these expenses than the exact opposite. So you'll see on my spreadsheet, I came up with $151,000 of expenses. This is where the exercise of calculating your profitability by month, all you have to do is come up with that number once at the beginning of the year. If you stick to this forecast or your budget, if you, rel um, 
if you are detailed on the front end, you shouldn't have to redo this exercise that often, maybe every quarter, every six months, make sure you're consistent and on track for this. So we have 151. I simply divide it by 12. This tells me my average monthly expense. So this is my number that I have to look at, this 12590 This is a number that every month, I. this is my benchmark that I'm gauging, am I profitable based off of this number? So I'm going to switch over to yet another spreadsheet. Don't get caught up in the numbers. Yes. Christy, real quick, while you do that, we have, we have a couple of questions. Oh, awesome. Yes. And I'm not seeing those. So please, yes, jump in. All right. So Oscar Montalvo asked, um, let's see. Um, do you guys use a company credit card for all your expenses or just pay it out of your bank account so there is no debit? I, yes, I do everything. Great question. I have a, a business checking account, savings account, and business credit card. All of my money flows into my business. I then pay my, I choose to pay myself on a W-2 salary. So I pay every business expense and income comes into my company account. And then I either reimburse personal things out of it. Like I will reimburse for my cell phone, home internet. Those are expenses that I pay out of my personal account that I reimburse from my business. Um, or I pay myself on a W-2 salary and withhold my taxes at the time I pay it. Okay. So um, what I heard Christy say was absolutely. Um, it's completely okay to use a credit card. So let's talk about that for just a second. I know it's slightly off topic, but I, uh, Angie Cody actually um, mentioned that she uses a credit card company and pays it off because she wants the rewards. So one of the things that I would definitely say to people, if you are capable of being responsible, and I'm, I don't mean to be sarcastic with that, but the reality is I want people to understand that we are not in any way, shape, or form promoting credit card debt here. So my point is I run literally every single thing through my credit card, why? So I get a mile and a half for every every mile that I do. I've got another credit card that's a double cash back. Um, I use credit cards in a responsible way to run them through. And if you're a person who's gonna pay stuff off every month, you know, my accountant actually said this to me, get a card that you use to put gas in your car. That way, you know, when you put gas in your car, it's got this. And then we have another credit card that we literally run every single thing in our business through that's obviously not payroll, we can't do that. But anything that you can run a credit card, we do. And here's what's great about that. I can take that and hit a button and drive every expense right out of that credit card right into QuickBooks. So yes. every bank says that you, every bank out there probably should be able to do that. If your bank doesn't do that, get a different bank. If your credit card doesn't do that, get a different credit card. Because one of the things that I heard Christy say a minute ago is it's going to take four to eight hours to do this. And I heard a whole bunch of people go, holy crap, that's a lot of my time. So you can significantly cut that down by having a system and that system can actually do a lot of the work for you. So. Completely agree. I swear by QuickBooks. I do everything in QuickBooks. Um, and when, I, when I'm talking to my coaching clients about how to set up their bank accounts, think of your company as a brick and mortar business, like a Walmart. We like Walmart pays their business expenses out of their business account. None of their employees are paying business expense or personal expenses out of that account and vice versa. So that is how you truly want to segregate your bank account, you have business checking, business saving, business credit cards, and then there's like a brick wall between that and personal. And you keep the two very, very separate. 
We got one more question before before I let you move on to the next thing. Kimberly Randall asks them, um, when you withhold your taxes, do you calculate those and leave them in a bank account or are you paying state and federal employee taxes being on W-2 on a weekly, monthly basis? On my taxes that I pay for my salary, I pay weekly. That's a great question. The quicker you can get out of or the quicker you can pay your taxes, the better. I don't want them sitting in your savings accounts because emergencies happen and you're going to borrow. It, It's inevitable. I use QuickBooks, so I pay my taxes weekly. Um, but I would absolutely be saying that you should be paying weekly or monthly, depending on your size. And if you're if you're paying quarterly, make sure you're putting that money aside every single transaction and, and having it held and never touch those accounts. Brian, how do you pay your taxes? We, we, we store them in a bank account. I, okay. I'll be honest. So, and this is a, it can be, a, it can be a little bit of a scary thing. Now I do, I am paying W2 taxes and I'll be honest, I'm not even a hundred percent sure how to, how that happens. <laughs> to handle it. Yep. So if you're like me and although I'm a numbers guy, the idea of sitting down and going through and trying to figure out payroll taxes, I think I'd rather poke myself in the eye with sharp sticks. So there are plenty of good payroll companies out there. Let them do that for you if you're like me. I can go sell another transaction, one more transaction, and it'll cover that for the entire year. Absolutely. So, you know, understand your strengths and weaknesses. We all have to do this, but it's okay to hire someone to do the stuff that you're either A, not good at, or B, hate to do, assuming that you have the income to offset that, which will also go on your P&L. So um, <laughs> to answer your question, that's how I do it. I'd like to jump on that as well. Understand, I, I just want to put this out there. Brian runs a huge company, okay? And, you know, it's not Walmart, right, Brian? He's not competing with Walmart in Arkansas, but he, he does run a very large team, and so when he says the way that he pays things, he does that in, in a different fashion than a lot of people. Christy has, has a good sized team and so forth. If you're a solo agent, if you're running your business on your own, yes, you need to treat your business like a business, but, but don't think that you need some highfalutin accountant, you know, to spend tons of money on or, or all this kind of stuff. I mean, you, you should be getting counsel for sure. I mean, understand what Brian said, uh, play to your weakness or play to your strengths and hire for your weaknesses. That said, until you can afford it, make sure that you're paying those taxes. Make sure that you're paying them upfront. Make sure that you're setting that money aside on every single transaction. You got to pay it first. It is not a profit. Okay. I think that a lot of people treat their, you know, treat their income as profit and then they pay their bills with it. Taxes is is pre-profit. Okay. Taxes needs to get paid first. So uh, and that you just got to make sure you're paying your taxes. Well, and, and to your point. I do maintain my CPA. I pay a CPA to do my taxes. So I'm all for leveraging and outsourcing. And I think for most people, you you will ultimately outsource your payroll. You'll outsource a lot of it. However, you still have to understand what the numbers are. And that's where I think a lot of us say, oh, I pay a bookkeeper or I have someone else track this. And they use that as, as kind of like their get out of jail free card that I don't have to be responsible to what my monthly expenses are or truly understanding if I'm profitable or not. And so that's why I want to 
yes, these can be very daunting spreadsheets. And if you can't, aren't capable of doing this, or if you choose not to, make sure your CPA or whoever you're hiring is walking you through and explaining these exercises to you so that you truly know and can own your P&L and explain it to someone else. That's what I want everyone to be able to do is explain your P&L and understand, am I profitable or not? So everybody in the group, if you don't mind, if just go ahead and, and put in the group, whether you have a CPA, whether you have a bookkeeper, or whether you just short form file, whatever the case may be, put it in there. It'd be interesting to see how many people are actually doing that. And, and I want to say this real quick. So I pay my the person who does my payroll taxes $75 a month. We're not talking, and Ron says I have a pretty big business. So we're not talking about thousands of dollars a month. I think one of the things that people get scared of, they hear things like bookkeeper and CPA and accountant, and they assume that we're hiring someone like Mark Kohler, who's an amazing guy. But the reality is, if you're making less than $100,000 a year, you don't have to pay someone five grand a year to do your taxes. That is not required. But I will say there's arguably nothing more important than making sure the IRS doesn't come knocking on your door and you have no idea what's going on. So, again, I'm not saying go spend thousand dollars a month. I pay if I were to look at the total amount that I pay my accountant every year is probably between four and five thousand dollars. And again, to Ron's point, I've got a 20 plus person team. I've got four people on payroll. I mean, it's a pretty big thing. And that being said, I'm still only paying four or five thousand yeah. dollars. So you don't need to go hire an, an, an attorney and go through all this. We're just saying, check those boxes and make sure because that $75 a month, I guarantee you it keeps me out of trouble. And that's the thing that's important to me. I don't want the IRS coming and saying, Brian, how come you haven't paid payroll for the last 12 years? I, I don't know. I guess I'm going to jail. <laughs> so those yeah. are the things to be careful of. And, you know, um, by the way, one of the things that the Club Wealth has actually um, been that uses is paychecks. So paychecks is one of those companies that can go out there and handle that for you. For me, there are things that you can learn if you're Christy and we're a CPA, she could probably get away with it. But here's one of the things I heard Christy say, I pay an accountant. Christy's a better accountant than most of your all accountants and she still pays an accountant. So stay in your lane. Absolutely. Completely agree. I will challenge most people if that they would pay for the bookkeeping for the entire year if they just went through their bank statements for the last 90 days and eliminated reoccurring expenses that they don't use. Because I think going through this exercise for most of us will save you money. Because it's, you come up with all these little things that I forgot I was paying or I don't use that I don't really need or, oh, I had no clue. I still had that gym membership. You will save money just getting in your numbers. And that's a, that's why I say, don't just rely on your bookkeepers. Make sure you're owning your expenses because your bookkeeper is just going to categorize them the way you've told them. They're not going to scrutinize, do I need this? Am I getting an ROI? That's where as business owners, that's what we have to be doing. Um, and so that's what I'm hopeful that we can help get people moving in that direction. One more spreadsheet. I just want to show you. I know it looks scary, but it stay with me. Going down the left, I have the 31 days in the month. 
Then I have my incoming commission. So just drop in here. This could be as a team lead. This is a portion of the income that comes to the team. Um, if it's my deal, it's going to be a different split and a bigger number. So then in the next column over, all this is is a running total of the commission I've brought in for the month. So on any given day, I know I've brought in, so on the 17th, I brought in 6,500 because I had a $4,500 check come in and a 2,000. All that is is simple addition. I know my monthly expenses are this 12,591. We just calculated that on the exercise that we did. So I know that until the 26th of this month, I was losing money and not profitable because only then did my net inc or my total commissions hitting my bank account totaled 19,000 and that pushed me over my expenses. So now I have a profit of 6,400. 6, does that make sense? It does. So I want people to understand though, that this is, this is not, this is a, a tool is really what this is because Although if when we looked at Christie's um, P&L, her average was $12,591. She doesn't actually spend exactly $12,591 every month. So this is a indicator. It's a tool to get you to, get you to understand where you're at. It's not the actual P&L that she's showing. I completely, completely agree. For those of us that want to tune out tracking our P&L, so the point of this exercise is for those of us that don't live in QuickBooks, that don't want to live every every day in looking at our expenses, you can you should know your commission coming in. We've calculated our rough average. So every single month, I should know, am I making money this month or losing money this month? And I shouldn't have to wait until the end of the year to do this exercise and see what shakes out when I do my tax return. Does that make sense? It's perfect. And again, you know, the things, the things that you pay attention to are the things that were, that are going to get attention. They're going to get focus and they're going to give you understanding. So, you know, if you're like a lot of people out there, no, we're not asking you to spend 15 hours a month looking at a PL. and uh, Most of you wouldn't do it if we asked. We're asking you to be aware of your business, understand what it is and, and it helps you make good decisions, right? So if somebody comes to you and says, I have this amazing opportunity to spend $3,000 a month, you can take a look and say, well, that's, what's that, what's that going to do to my profit and loss? What's going to be the ROI on it? I can take a look at it. And instead of making decisions emotionally, which as real estate agents, whether we want to or not, it's shiny object, shiny object, shiny object, shiny object. And, you know, we're going to go to listing agent boot camp here in, in two months and it's going to be an amazing event. We're all excited about it. And there's going to be 25 vendors there going, spend with me, spend with me, spend with me. If you don't come prepared to understand the impact of that on your business, it's, it may be a great decision to, to, to get Wilopo and it may be a horrible position, situation puts you out of business. And I know that sounds extreme, but that's what we're talking about is making choices not based on shiny objects, not based on a great salesperson, on the thing that's going to take your business from here to here. Absolutely. And if you have an idea, I don't think most of us know what our monthly expenses are. And we have we we may know we spend a couple thousand on Zillow. We may know the bits and pieces, but we haven't looked at it in its totality. And so when we 
come up with that average number. You really should only have to do that exercise once a year or so. And then you will know every month, are my, is my commission coming in greater than my expenses? Am I making money? Am I moving forward when we're only relying on our bank account and not doing this exercise, we're not accounting for these large expenses that are in the future that we haven't, you know, I may be doing great this month because I don't have big expenses, but I have listing agent boot camp in April and I have a big client event in March that I haven't accounted for. So I may think I have money in my account that I can go spend, but in reality, it, I need to be saving it. Does that make sense? It does. So let me ask you a question, Christy. So you know, let's say that uh, you go to an event and, you know, you talk to your coach. I'm not asked, I'm not suggesting we act irresponsibly, but for the, for the system that you're using, let's say that uh, you hired somebody like appointments today, they were at our last event and you're going to pay them $3,200 a month. Are you going to go back and add that 3,200 and then retroactively calculate your monthly, or are you just going to move, put that in expense moving forward? So I would, I would do it retroactive. Okay. Um, and, and you can, you can nerd out on spreadsheets all day long and do it, do it either way. Um, I would treat your budget. So if you pick up an expense, I would just go blast it out across all 12 months so okay. that I know my, so I know my nut for the, for how it plays into my average number. Um, if it if you were trying to do it at the end of the year, like budget versus actual, you'd have to you know make some adjustments. But in in my spreadsheet, I just apply it to all twelve months. And that's an important question because I can tell you that you know for the last five years, at some point during every one of those years, and it's never January first, I end up adding a significant expense. Absolutely. And, you know whether that's a new platform, whether that's an ISA, whether it's a new employee, you know, as we grow and expand, one of the things that, you know, we're huge about growing expansion, but at some point in time, you're going to need a second transaction coordinator, or you're going to need a new listing. So those are real expenses and they do get added. And it's a great theory to say, okay, January 1st, my bills are $10,000 a month and they're going to be $10,000 a month every month, but that's, that's not us. And so I really appreciate the way that you, you do that. And again, it, you can do it that way, or you can do it the way I was talking about, where just add that $3,000 moving forward. Yep. It doesn't necessarily matter, but what, here's what matters is that you have a process to do it and not just spend the money and hope and pray. Absolutely. And by doing this, you will have known, am I pro if, if you're running a deficit, the answer to adding any new technology is absolutely not you know only when you can say you know what i've been profitable and you're right we get into um the more sophisticated you are and we're very simplistic with this when you start running your pnl a full-blown pnl you should be mindful of what percentage your what your profitability is because if that's getting too high you're probably not adding the appropriate expenses to keep you growing so you can definitely get much more technical with this as you grow and as you start running larger teams. But no, I would just add it to all 12 months. It will drop into my monthly expense. And then on a go forward basis, I'm using that new updated monthly expense number to calculate my profitability. 
Perfect. So I'm going to ask one more question of the group. Would you like to see some of uh, Christy's PNL stuff? Would you like to um, get some of her stuff? If, if if your brain hurts looking at this and you go, I'll never be able to create it myself. If you would like to do that, type in the group. Christy is awesome, and we will give you the download for um, for what looks like her PNL, and uh, we will definitely put that in the group at the end. But you have to type in Christy is awesome. So, and I promise you, don't hurt my feelings if you hate spreadsheets. But my goal with all of this, and it's the same that I go over with my coaching clients. You don't have to love spreadsheets, but you have to get comfortable with what you're expenses are. You need to get very intimately familiar with your numbers, however that is. I've put it in a spreadsheet because I know we're talking to solo agents that may not be using QuickBooks. Um, we, we're talking to people that will never open QuickBooks no matter how big they get. So I want to show it in a very visual way. But even if you hate this, know that you just have to get comfortable with your numbers. As a business owner, this exercise will probably make you money just when you sit down and do your forecast because you'll realize I'm spending money where I shouldn't be and or I'm spending a lot more or a lot less on things than I thought I was. And so seeing it on paper for the year, I think is very eye-opening. So there, there's a couple of things. First of all, uh, something that Brian said earlier that, that I think we ought to point out is ask your coach right before you spend on anything. But that said, there are options that are very affordable. For instance, I think you mentioned earlier, Christy, uh, qbspecial.com. It's, it's a QuickBooks self-employed, so it's great for the solo agents or you know, the, the smallest, you know, the very minimalist teams. That it's, it's like 5 to $10 a month. I don't remember exactly what it is. Very inexpensive, very easy to use. You should still track it, just like Christy's saying. Christy, Christy pays for QuickBooks, right? And she still tracks it. And, uh, and I mean, this, this is so important. I was told a long time ago that results speak truth. Tracking is how you control it, right? And so you got you to control what you're doing. And that's, uh, that's a, such a big deal. So important. Um, another thing, going back to what Brian was saying earlier about, uh, you know, inputting the new cost. I think that we have a tendency of taxing checks we haven't made yet. I think that that's a very common thing in real estate, right? I mean, we, we have the advantage of being able to dictate our income, but that said, we shouldn't go cash that we haven't received yet. And, and I think that that's one of the advantages of tracking this is if you looked at Christie's earlier, she's profitable this month. And so if she decided to pick something up or add something to her budget this, the, you know, in February, she could say, well, I could add this and it wouldn't put me in a deficit and, and so forth. So I, I just... Tracking is so big. That's awesome. So, what kind of re what kind of response have we got from your question there, Brian? I'm excited to get uh, to get Christie's download. Is there enough awesomes out there? There I is. I went I went ahead and I went ahead and posted it, and uh, yeah. So it's actually in the uh, group. Feel free to download that. I'll make sure that uh, if uh, if the Clubwell staff is watching. Please make sure it ends up in both groups. If I if I don't have it in both groups, but I will try and do that. So. And I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and say it. It's clubwealth.com forward slash PNL. PNL. So Perfect. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Is there any other great words and pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share with us, Christy, on tracking and forecasting? 
No, I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid. Don't do what a lot of us do when you're when you don't have money coming in. You close your eyes, put on blinders, and don't open your bank statement. Don't do that. Get in, stay, keep tracking it, keep looking at it. Numbers can be your friend, and then mo- most importantly, make sure you're keeping up with your taxes. Make sure that whether you're paying quarterly, setting them aside, uh, paying weekly, whatever it is. Make sure you're pulling that out on the front end um, and keeping up with that. We do like we hear stories all the time of people getting in trouble, and that's the absolute worst. That's something that that can can wreck your life. Let, let, let's talk about that real quick. We've got a few minutes left, and um, since you you've covered what you want to do, let's talk a little bit about. Here's one of the biggest mistakes I've seen people make, and and honestly, I, I fell prey to it myself. So we, it can happen to all of us. Is you know, let's say you're making fifty thousand dollars a year. If you're making fifty thousand dollars a year as an agent, I'm talking about after expenses. You're probably going to pay somewhere around seven or eight thousand dollars a year in, in federal taxes. It's going to vary from state to state. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not a CPA. Theoretically, if you make $100,000, most people would say, I paid $7,000 on $50,000. I don't make $100,000. I'm going to pay $14,000. I want everybody to understand a couple of things. First of all, your first X amount, and Chris, you can give me the exact number. I think it's about $30,000. Depends on whether you're married or not and kids. But it's going to get taxed significantly less and significantly different. And here's the other thing. If you had $50,000, you have X amount of write-offs from your house, from your kids, from these standard deduction type things. When the next $50,000, you don't get that again. And I think that's something that people don't understand. It's like, well, you know, why, why did this change? I made so much more money. Um, I will also say I've heard this, and this is something that, that makes my head hurt a little bit. I don't want to make more money. It's going to put me in a different tax bracket. So let me explain real quick in a very simplistic way how tax brackets work. So if it's if tax bracket one is zero to thirty thousand dollars, you pay whether you make two million dollars a year for this chunk, you're going to pay at this rate. From thirty to seventy five thousand dollars, you're going to pay it at this rate. So just because you cross some magical line doesn't mean that every single penny you make just went from being twenty percent to thirty percent. So please don't be afraid of making more money because you're going to have to pay more taxes. You'll have more money to pay those taxes, but. Talk to your accountant, get an idea of which tax bracket you're in so you have some idea if I should put away 20% from every paycheck or 30% or even 40% from every paycheck. I know those seem like really big numbers, but the reality is that the highest tax bracket is 40 some percent. Christy, I don't know. Yeah. It well, it changes. It changes so frequently, and if <laughs> every administration, every 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 couple of years, it changes. And um, no, you're absolutely right. I feel like th- it got like very trendy for a long time to like. I don't want a tax return. I don't want to get a ref or a refund from the from the government. The reality is, most of us should be banking on a refund. We should be overpaying during the year so that we get a refund at the end of the year. So we're not having to write a very, very large sum of money check that we haven't planned for. So that's why even if you if you pick a number and it's wrong, if you pick 40% and your average tax or your effective tax rate is only 30%, you get a refund at the end of the year, you get that money back. And that you'll hear the argument, well, I'm gonna invest some money. I'm gonna 
you know, it's my money. I'm going to do something. Savings accounts are paying piddly squat right now. And very few investments are going to give you a good return within that short of a time period. It's nonsense. No one is actually making money off of the savings that they just didn't pay the government. Get out of that habit. Plan. Take your look at the last couple of years overpay if anything pick your highest year out of the last three years that you pay taxes in if your business is flat use that if it's not flat add a couple you know add a couple thousand to it or or apply that percentage but always make sure you're conservative on paying your taxes okay so that's something that you just barely touched on just a second ago that i think is very important you were talking about forecasting earlier right one of the mm-hmm. most common questions is how do you forecast your taxes, right? So, so will you go ahead and share that again? How, like specifically, how you forecast how much to pay for your taxes, how much to to pay in your, um, you know, pay in your account and and, and forecast in your budget. So, I would look at what I've reported on my tax return last year and not what I paid in taxes, but what I looked at as my reported income, um, my reported net income. So that's going to be after your CPA has taken your commissions, taken every write-off, what is that net income and how does that compare to like what I expect to do this year? So if I reported $100,000 of net income last year, and I think I'm going to double or triple my GCI this year, then I'm going to double or triple my net income from last year. In theory, your profitability should increase as your income goes up. But when I'm forecasting my taxes, I'm not making that assumption. So if I had 100000 of net income and I'm going to triple my business, I'm planning on 300000 of net income this year. And I'm in a base, I'm in withhold taxes based off of that reported number. And, and here's the thing that for all of you who just went, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about that because I, I know what it means, but I don't want to figure it out. So go to your accountant and say, I made $100,000 last year. This year, I'm mapping out to get $300,000. What percentage should I set aside every month? If you're good at this, go do it. But if not, have a five-minute conversation with somebody who is and let them tell you how much to take out. And I promise yep. there's not an accountant in America who's going to go, well, you should underpay. So, so do that. Go ahead, Christy. So that's a perfect question. How to pick an accountant. What we are talking about is not an H&R block that you walk into Walmart and they do it. We are talking about a business partner. You need to be able to send these spreadsheets to someone and say, hey, can you do this for me? They don't have to do these spreadsheets. They should be able to look at this and say, oh, I know exactly what you're trying to achieve and show you what to do. We're looking for someone that's not just doing a tax return, but that's going to be able to walk aside alongside you as you grow and you say, I think this, and they'll be able to go execute and then also advise. They'll be able to consult and say, okay, I think we're not withholding enough, or maybe we should look at additional write-offs. They should be a business partner, not someone that's just filling out a tax return at the end of the year. Exactly. So Ron, we got one minute left. So uh, I'll toss it over to you to close this thing out for us. Actually, we've got 10 seconds. Thank you so much, (laughs) Coach Christy Horn. Thank you so much, Brian Curtis. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Uh, It's been an amazing call. I've learned a ton. 
I uh, really appreciate it. A couple of things just to end in on the call. Uh, first of all, if you have not signed up for Listing Agent Bootcamp, make sure that you do. Okay, I know the prices are going up and we're running out of space. Uh, if you go to clubwealth.com forward slash LABC, you can, uh, you can sign up for that. Get in there as quick as you can. Again, if you don't see the link that's been posted, clubwealth.com forward slash PNL is the link for Christie's uh, download. Got a lot of really good information in there. Take a look at that. Uh, and then, and then once again, just a shout out to Wise Hire for for helping this helping this happen. So thank you again, coaches. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and look forward to seeing you next week.